Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Police officers have again come under fire and under attack in Northern Ireland for the fifth night in a row and it is becoming very concerning for all concerned a group of and when I see this report in the paper a group of loyalists used in the Shankill Road area of Belfast I always think to myself is it important that we mention that there are loyalist youths is that not sectarianism in itself is that not what this is all about that we label people Catholic, Protestants loyalists, unionists Republicans whatever they happen to be is that not where the problem has been lying in Northern Ireland for so many years that we label people like we do all the time with the left and the right so these youths anyway through a variety of objects a PSNI vehicles and a press photographer working in Belfast and for the Belfast Telegraph newspaper was also assaulted uh, I believe he was called a Fenian something or other and his cameras were damaged as well now Arlene Foster of course the DP was straight out of the traps and she said this is not a protest this is vandalism and attempted murder. Uh, well, when she says attempted murder, at that particular time, we didn't know if the driver was on the bus. But it does seem the driver wasn't actually on the bus at the time that he had got off with the passengers. But that doesn't take away from the fact of what they did, by the way, by petrol bombing this bus. She said, these actions do not represent unionism or loyalism. They are an embarrassment to Northern Ireland. Now, she should have stopped there, but she didn't. And she went on to say, and only served to take the focus off the real lawbreakers in Sinn Féin. My thoughts are with the bus driver. Now, of course, Michelle O'Neill was uh, back out as well to respond. She said, disgraceful scenes of criminality tonight, including potentially lethal attack on a bus driver and assault on a journalist. Unequivocal condemnation needed and protests should be called off immediately. Police need support, not uh, politicking. And uh, Arlene, of course, has been openly criticised, or she has openly criticised the police service of Northern Ireland over the handling, particularly of the Bobby Story funeral over recent weeks. So how are the police service of Northern Ireland supposed to police this situation? When you see the age group of these young rioters, what's more disgusting and what I saw was I saw parents of these young vandals, feral children between the ages of eight years of age and 17 years of age maybe in black hoodies with petrol bombs, Molotov cocktails, and as they're running away from, you know, throwing them at the police and throwing them at this bus, the parents, like on St. Patrick's Day for a parade, are standing at the side of the road giving them a round of applause. And that's the most disgusting thing. And that's, and that's why I don't blame the kids, because that's why this is happening. Because the parents are stuck, as Michelle O'Neill rightly said, the parents are stuck in a time warp. And what I wanted to ask you today, because I don't want to focus too much on this today, because when I say I don't want to focus on this event today, is I got flashbacks, like many other people in the country and across Northern Ireland over the last four or five nights, of how the trouble started way back in the 1960s. And how it started off with protests and eventually the police lost control and eventually the British soldiers were brought in and we all know what happened then and that went on basically till 1998 till the Good Friday Agreement and the ceasefire before that. And nobody, nobody wants to see that again. But how is it ever meant to stop when you've got parents who bring their children up with hatred for the other side? And when you've got literally a 50-50 divide in Northern Ireland between Catholic and Protestant, Republican and Unionists, when you've got this divide in the middle, 50-50, it looks like it won't stop. That there'll always be this resentment of the other side. Now, 
there's a numerous amounts of reasons why this is happening in Northern Ireland at the moment, by the way. There are many reasons. I think COVID-19 is probably one of them. Um, but just to give us a better handle on it, uh, Malachi, of course, who's been on the show many times, Malachi Steenson, who is a Republican, by the way, so I know Malachi would have a, his own clear agenda in some sense, or certainly be slightly biased. But to give us a better sense of what's going on, Malachi, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Matt. Malachi, I'm not insulting you by saying you're a Republican and you have your own agenda. No, certainly but, but, not. I wear my uh, Republicanism as a badge of pride. Well, OK, but I, and you will have a slightly biased view. But I mean... I mean, from an objective, well, from an impartial or an objective point of view, why do you believe this has suddenly started again? Well, what's sudden about it is that the national media, particularly the state broadcasters, decided today that this is now an issue, despite the fact that these riots have been going on for the past two well, weeks. Well, the BBC right across, have been criticised for the same thing. Right across. Well, well, Nolan did cover it to some extent on his programme um, on the BBC during the week. But uh, these attacks have been happening right across the six counties, Derry, Belfast, um, Strabane, and, and other places. Now, what is fueling it? And, and there, there is an argument that there's some level of recreational rioting, which there has always been in the six counties. Um, and that's probably coming to a town near you soon in the south. But there's two issues. There's the one, the Brexit issue. And I said this, and I highlighted this at the time when, the, when they done the deal on Brexit, that any right-thinking unionist or loyalist cannot accept a border in the Irish Sea. Right. Well, that's that's why we're seeing this graffiti on walls up there, which says no border in the sea. And, and they can't because it, it is a constitutional issue, and the constitutional issue, from my view, has not been solved. Republicanism is about removing the British president Ireland, presence in Ireland. You then have the issue of the Bobby Story funeral. Now, you know my views on, on funerals, and that, and I, just the funeral on one hand should have took place, but then so should everybody else's funeral. And you can't have a party in government. And aspiring to be in government in this state as well, who make the legislation and then break, me and and break the legislation and then openly break it. And it was the story funeral was clearly a publicity stunt. They brought him to Milltown when he wasn't even being buried. He was being cremated in Roselawn, which is way on the other side of Belfast. You know, so there was purely a, a propaganda stunt, which has backfired on them. Well, that, well, that's, well that's, that's your view of it, that it was a propaganda well, I mean, stunt. They would the argue with that. Well, he wasn't being buried in Milltown. Okay. Right? Well, yeah, but the point. Being... Okay, I don't want to focus too much on it, but the point was, of course, that the PSNI uh, investigated the, uh, any criminality or any acts of criminality and said there would be no prosecutions in relation to the Bobby Story funeral. And, well, and well, th- this, indeed, of course, said, what they said was that all of the rules and regulations around it were too confusing. Now, if they're confusing to those political representatives who've created the, the, the rules and regulations. Surely it's, it's confusing to, to ordinary people, and they should be allowed to have, have their funerals. And there is a funeral in Derry of, of the chap, his name just escapes me, which the provisionals were opposed to, and there are people being prosecuted in that, a Republican funeral, a man who actually stayed loyal to them. So there's but, I mean, but, but I mean, how, but, Yeah, but how are the police, the PSNI, going to police this problem when you have Arlene Foster openly criticising the police service of Northern Ireland and their handling of that particular funeral well, well, and openly criticising them in general. How are they, I mean, when you have, you know, your own sure. executive criticising your police force, how are they then supposed to go in? Yeah, and we've still, I mean, look, watching those, uh, the Jeeps or the Land Rovers, whatever they are with the bars on the windows is kind of reminiscence of the trouble back, troubles back in the 70s. And they still have them, by the way, which I always thought was very aggressive looking, but it's obvious the reasons why they 
still have them. Um, but when they go in, I mean, these ki- these are kids. These are I watched a 13-year-old being dragged uh, by the police. Now, don't get me wrong, they had no choice. Uh, but she was being dragged over towards the back of one of the vans to try and get her away from the riots, rioters. I mean, how are they supposed to, you know, police 12 and 13 and 14 Well, well let, let me give you an example of how they normally police it. And if you look at some of the footage where that bus was born last night, for instance, that's at Lanark Way, which is... And Lanark Way, for people who don't know, links to Shankill and the Springfield Road, right? Mm-hmm. My father lived at the corner of Lanark Way on Springfield Road. If that riot had a took, part, took, took place on the Springfield Road end of it, you would have people injured by plastic bullets, you would have water cannons fired by the police, and it would have been policed in a totally different way. But because it's loyalism and because the RUC are still the RUC, in fact, they're still the B-specials, um, nothing has changed. And people need to be very well, they, clear. Well, they, oh, they, well, hang on. They purposely changed the name from the RUC to the PSNI to take away the stigma that was attached to the RUC. And they changed the B-specials to the UDR and, the, and then the RIR. Yeah, it I didn't make a fruit but, but, but in fairness, I think the PSNI are reasonably impartial. In the north, well, when it not, comes to they're not. When these riots have been going on in two weeks, there hasn't even been one arrest. But I mean, with which yeah, 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 because, for it, right? well, yeah, yeah, because you're dealing with children. I mean, I mean, not I don't... all children, Niall. If you look, again look at the footage, and, and rioting has always been done by teenagers. Oh, there, you know, they should be arresting the parents and the sideline who are giving them a round of applause as they're doing it. Well, well, they're not doing that. I mean, where, where's all the regulations now about COVID and all that? But, but people need to be very clear. And you see, if you, most of your listeners listening today will tell you that the North erupted in 69 or 70 and it was basically... I know, I know. It's, I know it started a long time <laughs> before on. that. I'm well aware it, it, of that, Malik. It Malachi. started with these very same type of actions in 1965. And that's why I'm having the conversation today because when I watched that... I think of, you know, the protests in Derry and I think of all those other protests that went out of control that the police couldn't handle and eventually the British soldiers were called in. And I, th- and I think of all that, you know, is this the start yeah, of something else? I hope that, not. In, in 1966 and 65 and 66, when Gusty Spence was leading the UVF and they went in and they, they, they went actually to shoot an IRA leader um, in the falls and they couldn't find him and the, their attitude was they just shot a Catholic um, after that. And their, their view was, well, if we can't get an IRA man, any tag will do. And that, that was a fellow called John Scullion. But then they went in, they, they, they bombed the Malvern Arms pub and killed a number of people. And Gussie Spence got life for that. But that was in 66, long before. And, and the IRA was dormant since 1963. Well, I know, I know. I look, they, they, they say so, the intensity of the activity actually started in 19, the 1940s, right? But realistically, a lot of people will put the actual date down between 1960 and 1998. I mean, and that's where the period of the troubles, inverted commas, uh, or the, I suppose the, prop, the real conflict of Northern Ireland happened right up to 1998, of course, till the Good Friday Agreement was, was signed. And there's a ceasefire before that, as we all know. Actually, there'd been two ceasefires, from what I remember. One broke down. Yes, one broke down yeah. with, the, with the bombing yeah. of, um, in, in the financial district in, in England. Okay, but I mean, do you do you see this uh, between... Look, you've got a lot of things going on here and you've outlined a few of them. Brexit is certainly one, the division down the, down the Irish Sea, right? This border down the Irish Sea as, as loyalists see it. Because, of course, you've got to remember 50% of the population in Northern Ireland are British or believe they're British. And you've got to remember that 50% of them believe they're Irish. Well, hold on. Okay, so, no, so, no, well, no, hang, no, 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 hang on. Then you've it's got on top of that, that, you've got COVID-19. Because when people voted for the GFA, they recognised that the North was part of the UK, right? Yeah. When people in the North, so uh, almost 90-odd percent of the people in the North voted for 
the Good Friday Agreement. So they, whether they be Catholic, Protestant, dissent, or nationalist, or Republican, they all accepted that the North was part of the United Kingdom. Right? Okay, okay, but I'm talking about individual people. I know you're talking about how they voted in the Good Friday Agreement, right? But I'm talking about individual people. The individual people in the North break down basically as, and I know the Belfast Telegraph did a few different polls in relation to this, and the polls were always 51-49, whatever, or close enough to 50-50, the polls, in relation to whether you would agree with the United Ireland. So for for 50% of the population, they're happy to be British. For 50% of the population, they want to be Irish, and they, they consider themselves Irish. So you are never going... I mean, when you have such an equal divide, there's always going to be a problem because there isn't a majority. I mean, for example, if 70% of the population were British, well, then obviously what would happen is the minority of the Republicans that would be up there would eventually be run out of the place. But that's well, not the case. That's well, not the case. You see, Niall, that's, when the North was set up, and again, you have to go back to 1922, and they're talking about commemorating the establishment of the Northern state in 1922, the 100-year anniversary next year, you know, which is going to be something that, that, that will have to be dealt with. It was created to give the majority to unions. That's why Donegal is not part of, of the six counties. That's why there's only six of the Ulster, nine Ulster counties are, are part of the United Kingdom. Yeah, because what, what, yeah, it but, was to give that artificial majority okay. to, to pro- a Protestant Protestant people. But getting back to the fear that a lot of people waking up this morning seeing the, this footage and, and the footage that's been going on over the last five days, and we're only seeing what's happening in Belfast, as you mentioned as well, it's happening all over Northern Ireland in smaller groups, but still happening nonetheless. And people are waking up with this fear that, you know, that yeah, it's been caused by Brexit, it's been caused by boredom, maybe for these young people too, with COVID-19, which isn't certainly helping the matter as well. It's been caused, of course, by the, you know, the Bobby Story funeral and the lack of criminalisation or the lack of prosecutions, as Arlene Foster pointed out. And of course, Arlene is still having a pop at Sinn Féin. Even, she couldn't condemn it and leave it at that. She had to have a pop at Sinn Féin in the middle of it. So it's been caused by politics as well. Po- politicians who have never agreed with each other can't agree with each other since the executive was set up back in the, in the, uh, the early part of 2000. They've never agreed with each other. So it's been... Oh, now, now, don't get me wrong, politicians never agree with each other anyway. But what I'm talking about, don't agree with each other. They're, they're poles apart in their views about how the country well, well, should be well, run. they're not actually poles apart because both nationalist and loyalist or, or unions politicians both agree to implement British rule in Ireland and remember and people need to remember three and a half thousand people died during the period from 1969 to, to, to 1998 say right yeah people died on both sides on both sides mo- yes and, and those people died in the furtherance of a war being waged by republicans to end British rule in Ireland and to say that Britain hadn't, should have no role in Ireland right now we have provisionalism demanding that the British government and Westminster implement legislation in relation to abortion, for instance, that Stormont won't implement, right? Okay, so that, 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 I, I, I don't believe that's part of it, Malik. Well, well, it, I, know, I, know I, know, I know it's something that you have no, very No, but I'm making the about. point that people who say one thing one day, where they're demanding and fighting a war, in which 3,500 people died, remember that, and that's 3,500 families. Thousands of people were injured, and thousands more spent their life in, in the prisons on this island. Okay, well, 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 just stay, stay there for a second, Malik. And by the way, I want to get your calls. Uh, the number is 087-188-0008. That's 087-188-0008. I wanted to focus very much, and a lot of people are saying today, gosh, I hope that, you know, that this doesn't start again. I just no, hope. most people down here don't give a damn one way or the Oh, well, that, I, think that's, I think that's wrong, Malik. And I think uh, you're no, wrong I'm in saying they you, don't. They don't. Well stay, well, stay there for a second. Let me go to here. John as well. John, you're an Ireland's classic kid. How are you doing, John? Afternoon. Well, the, the last point that Malik made... I agree 100% that people don't care, don't care. And especially the people at the top. Well, I care. Uh, I know, but you see, look, where the conflict that's going on, as Manikis just has alluded to, well, 3,500 people lost their life now, right? 
people don't hear got on with their life. Most people didn't give a shit what was going on up there. Well, they, well, they, they, did, well, they did give a shit when bombs went off in Dublin. They didn't, yeah, because they, hold on, they didn't, Niall, because the, the people who were in power in 1972 and 1974 when those bombings took place, when the biggest single loss of life on this island during the, the whole century, Fine Gael were in power and covered it up and refused right. to hold the British government accountable for sending British intelligence officers down to this state to murder people in Dublin and Monaghan and the earlier Dublin bombings. Yeah. So, and and they, we've re-elected those people, and now yeah. they're... Fine Gael, for the first time in its history, is now in its third term of government. So, okay, we we'll, 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 okay, well, let, 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 let John just finish. John, getting back to what's happening at the moment, I mean, I'm sure you've watched the footage online and I'm sure you've seen the. Well, well there's very, I, there's we, very we, little we, in the media, by the way, but I mean, I'm sure you've seen the footage online and social well, media seems to take over. This reminds me of, of what I watched. Like, I mean, two conflicts I watched when I was growing up and I was ahead of a lot younger on my TV screen tonight. One was the Vietnam War and the other was the conflict in the North in our own country, right? And the other is a serious danger that we could go back 40 years. All it takes now is a couple of incursions, either one side or the other, the loyalists into the national areas, the nationals into the loyalists areas, someone gets shot, someone gets killed, and the whole thing kicks off again. And you must remember, there is a group of kids up there that were out there last night and the other night who have never seen this violence, but they've seen the videos and the documentation. All of those kids, from what I could see, that were involved in this, weren't even born when the Good Friday Agreement was implemented in the first place. They're all under 20. Obviously, their parents, like I mean, their grandparents, who will be still alive, will be telling them about it, and they're researching it now on the internet, and they're looking up uh, about it. But, I mean, the danger is, like, I watched Ali Foster there about a week ago in an interview she'd done there, and out of her mouth, the first minister in the north of Ireland, she was asked about uh, Michal Martin, about having talked. She, now, listen to this. This is her answer now, right? Out of the deputy first minister's mouth. She said, I haven't spoken to Michal Martin for quite some time. No, if you said to me when I come on this program, John, nice to have you on today, I'm Maliki, I haven't spoken to you for quite some time. That would suggest to me, uh, anyone listening, that I hadn't been on for months and maybe 12 months. So there is a huge gap, and Michal Martin and the like of this uh, so-called foreign minister, Simon Coveney, right, are an absolute disgrace. Well, but Simon Coveney was up there recently. Should I watch his own video? Well, maybe, maybe my timeline in my head is a little yeah, bit longer. Yeah, but look, this is all they do. They, they just come up for a photo shoot and they'd they, they say, we won the North, blah, 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 and that's it. Now, we had the Chocolate Brothers before, who were two men. They were diametrically imposed. They hated each other, like Matt McGuinness and Casey. And they were able to sit down. No, they were I, I think even to... Ian Paisley, who could have been, would have been there at the start of the Troubles, by the way, but I, I think Ian Paisley, you know, his attitude changed so much throughout his life. Uh, from he the won. Well, Sorry? He won. Yeah, well, from the 1960s. Achieved, okay, but what I'm, what I'm saying to you... Objective. Uh, well, absolutely, to, to some degree he did. Kingdom. But even I believe if Ian Paisley was alive now, he would condemn this. Well, you see, now the whole thing... Well, no, what, again, what, what, Ian Paisley's history shows that he wouldn't have because he was one of the main instigators in this... Well, country. obviously he was. And when yeah, he went, went and, he, and he farmed um, the, 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 whatever you call, the... I can't remember the group that he farmed, the Tort Force and all of that, with Peter Robinson. And Peter Robinson was in government until recently. You know, all of these people... And Paisley, you know, stored up all of this in the beginning. You see, now... What but he got, achieved his political objective... Hang on, Maliki. Yeah, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm, I'm not dis- no, I'm I mean, disrespecting what you're saying. 
No, I know. I, I, I understand. <laughs> but I mean, but but hang on. But to some degree, everybody achieved a political objective. No, it was because, because there was peace. Had, oh no, we did. Obviously, there wasn't a united Ireland. I get that. But the, yeah. but at least there was peace in Northern well, Ireland, and that's what they no, wanted. There could, there was peace. No, no. There could have been hang peace on, at no, any, hang on, Maliki, hang on. Let's let John finish what he's saying. Listen, the, what happens? Look, I just mentioned PSD McGuinness. No, obviously they're long gone from the stage. What we now have is the, the, the First Minister and the Deputy First Minister, one DOP, one Sinn Féin, who absolutely despise each other. It's very obvious. They despise so each other. But we told that if we had more women in power, things would be much better. Oh, well, I don't that think that's to do with their gender, so, with the greatest respect. Uh, but, but, I mean, but I mean, I do believe, I mean, and it was uh, her tweet last night, it just tells a whole story. It's so divisive because as much as she condemned the violence and she was right to condemn the violence, of course, and, you know, and said it was an embarrassment to Northern Ireland, she could have left it at that, but she didn't. I mean, but the irony, here's the irony and the hypocrisy of her own tweet. She said, and it only serves to take the focus off the real lawbreaker, Sinn Féin. In other words, she took the focus off her own tweet of condemnation by mentioning Sinn Féin in the first place. She could have just left it at that. The the difference with the likes of Arlene Foster and that is they actually believe fundamentally in their politics. The people in the provisionals believe uh, different things on different days, depending on what's popular. And that's the reality. The DUP will say it as it is. Now, I I have no time for them. It seems you've no time for either, by the way. No, 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 I've no time for for them either. Sorry, 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 John, what are you trying to say? You mentioned there about the the, the age group now that were involved in the writing, the young people. But in all the writing that I've seen the videos of, yeah. You see, what what has happened up in the north, and it's been well documented now by different commentators, people in loyalist working class areas, people in nationalist working class areas, it was all happy, happy, the Good Friday Agreement and all, but they have been left behind. And if you watch it, I guarantee you know, the affluent areas in the north now, their teenage sons and daughters weren't out last night. No more than they were out in the They weren't out in the seventies or eighties either. No, they were you're quite right, Maliki. They weren't because I know people up there and the conflict they lived through the conflict up there and it never touched them. They were discommoded at checkpoints or whatever the whole yeah, that's correct. That's right. Yeah, but I mean well, yeah, but well, what I mean when you listen I've listened to Stephen Nolan a few times by the way, and um, you know what I mean? When you talk about how they continue to carry this and to keep people in this time warp, and I know that Michelle uh, O'Neill talked about this today or was it or last night, she mentioned about keeping people, this idea of people being in a time warp. This is not, well, I say it's not the kids' fault. Of course it is. They were the ones that were writing. But they're not the ones goading them. It's their parents. And the parents are keeping this going. And I don't know whether it's the media that's doing it in Northern Ireland. I don't know whether it's the people. I don't know whether it's the politicians. I don't know whether it's the decisions that are being made. But certainly, they are not responsible. They need to educate the children that violence is not the answer. But you see, now getting back to again about being left behind, as I said, look, if this conflict kicks off again, it's the only working class people in nationalist and loyalist areas will take the brunt of this again. Okay, listen, I've got to go into a break. Keep texting, keep what's happening. The number's 87 zero. Look, I don't know what we can do about what's happening at the moment and how the police are supposed to police this situation because, of course, Arlene Foster have been, has been quite critical of the police in the past over the last few weeks particularly. So they're kind of going in there walking on eggshells. But my concern is, you know, that I don't want to see, as John rightly said, you know, this going back, setting us back 40 years. I don't want to see this escalate. It has to be nipped in the bud. They have to educate young children. This, this is not the way it happens. This, there is no difference between, you know, Catholics and Protestants and Loyalists and Republicans 
They have to educate them. Looking at murals and walls of people, you know, with guns in their hands when you walk out of your housing estate is not good for the psychology behind why these things happen. When you've got a young eight-year-old who sees this on the streets or he walks out of his house and turns the corner to his local shop and there's a picture of Bobby Sands on the wall or there's a picture of a British soldier on the wall or or you see member on the wall or somebody who's died with a cross on the wall yeah, all over the sides of people's houses in these areas. This is not going to help. That doesn't help because then they go home to Mammy and Daddy and they say, why is the picture on the wall? And Mammy and Daddy then in their biased manner will tell them all about how much they hate the British soldiers. Or Mammy and Daddy will tell them about how much they hate the IRA, whichever side they happen to be on, and how much Catholics, they hate them, or how much they hate Protestants, either way. And this will keep going and going, and it could get worse and worse. And what I want to talk to you about is maybe let's have some memories of what it was like for you growing up in the Troubles. Maybe you lived in Belfast or lived in Northern Ireland, or maybe you lived down here and you had a fear. I mean, we did have bombs go off in Ireland. We did. And many people died. Uh, we were involved in it in some sense, not obviously as much as the people in Northern Ireland. Um, but what was it like? Do you remember it? Do you remember the news? Do you remember the time that Sinn Féin, by the way, who only had a broadcasting ban lifted on them in the 1990s um, because they weren't allowed on RTE? Do you remember that day when Jerry Adams went on the Late Late Show and Gay Byrne wouldn't shake his hand? Because Sinn Féin weren't allowed on television. It was illegal for radio stations or television to have them on the air. Uh, let me know what you think. The number is 87 188 The question is, I want to ask you, give us some memories. And I'll give you one of my memories of the Troubles. I'm sure you remember going up to Newry shopping with your mother and father and being searched by the, your, your car being searched maybe by the customs or British soldiers. Um, give us some memories of what it was like for you. And then maybe we can all kind of think about why we wouldn't want that to happen again. I know a lot of you are WhatsApping in and saying that drugs is at the heart of the problem in Northern Ireland and Belfast. And I'm not going to dismiss what you're saying, certainly when it comes to some of the housing estates. Yes, uh, drugs is at the heart of some of the problem, but not all of the problem. Because we have drug problems in the inner city here in Dublin. We have drug problems all over Dublin and all over the country. But we don't see that kind of behaviour, generally speaking. We do see it now and again. I know in Pierce Street at the moment there's a bit of a problem uh, with local thugs and gangs going around on bikes. But not to this extent. Because, well, I'm not saying that we police it well, because sometimes we don't. Uh, but we have a problem in Northern Ireland, an inherited problem in Northern Ireland, uh, where you've got young children who are growing up with resentment. Uh, and I don't, we, none of us want to see that happen again. We we need that to stop. Jerry, how are you doing? You're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Jerry? How are you, How is it going? Uh, Jerry, th- these are horrific scenes in Northern Ireland. Now, don't get me wrong. Thankfully, nobody has been killed. And, and you know, but, but it is horrific scenes. And, and it is reminiscent of, I suppose, what we went through in Northern Ireland and Ireland uh, for 40 years. Yeah, well, the problem is, Niall, is you have leaders of the Northern Ireland government behaving like children, point, pointing fingers and doing this kind of blame game. And I look at it as simple as this. If those people in polit- politicians' lives would love to get into the uniforms of the police force in Northern Ireland, stand on the riot line for a couple of nights, seven or eight nights, and I, things would change very quickly. But see, how can you have a government or a leadership when you have two people who first couldn't form a government for three years, the executives, so they, they, they went AWOL for three years, and then when they did eventually, they just never agree with each other? Because they weren't invested in the peace process. Jerry Adams, McGuinness, Paisley, and all those guys were invested in the peace process. They wanted to see a change because they lived, we'll say, through the, 
the middle of it when they were older. The guys that's in there now, Eileen Foster and Michelle O'Neill, Sinn Fein, Michelle O'Neill, they were probably babies at the time, and they grew up in it. But they're they're not invested in it. They're they're behaving like children in the playground. And the only thing in Northern Ireland is it'll take another fifty years for this venom. But wait, but wait, here you go. How do you get rid of the venom? And I've been in the north quite a lot. But and when you go into housing estates in different parts of, say, mm. West Belfast, or you go up around some of the housing estates in Bangor and Newtonards and Dundonald and places like that, and you see in some of these housing estates, which are very Republican, you'll see the Irish flags hanging all over the place. Then you go into another area, you see the British flags hanging, or the flag of Ulster hanging around all over the place. And you see murals and walls of, you know, British soldiers with guns in their hands or IRA with guns in their hands and Bobby Sands on the side of houses and housing estates. How do you get like? How do you get kids out of that psychology when they're seeing this all the time? The same way the peace process started. Hope you'd hope that it would just look. We were. I'm a, a very proud Irishman. I'm very proud to be a Catholic. I'm very proud to be Irish. I love my tricolor, but I'm very acceptant of people of the other faith or any faith for that matter. You got to remember, and people don't understand in in the south of Ireland. We have Protestants down here. We get on very well, but we don't. But nobody yeah. calls them Protestants. Yeah. Like, no, I, I'm, I'm never going to refer no, to you. I'm not going to refer to you as a Catholic. And, exactly. But, but, but here's the thing. On RT News, right, and I'm, I'm reading directly off RT News, and what it says is, a group of loyalist youths in the Shankill Road area of Belfast petrol bombed and then hijacked a double-decker bus. What do you think is wrong with that statement? The label. They put the label And that's exactly the problem, isn't the it? Because even RTE and the BBC, yeah. and, and I'm not just singling out RTE, the media stick these labels, a, a group of Republicans, a group of this. It's always sticking labels on people. Because if they say a group of, a group of youths in Northern Ireland burnt a bus, no one had even watched in you. But if they put a label in and, 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 and hype it up, people will turn on to the news or they'll listen to it or they'll, they'll have an opinion on it. And my opinion is, and, and, and I'm coming from, I don't really care about what side you come from. My thing is, if you just can't get on with people in general, there's something wrong with you. You need to look at yourself. And these young lads, and I'll, I'll give you one example and I'm going to finish with you, Niall. Um, I was in Scotland a couple of years ago and I, was, I met a guy in a pub. Uh, he had loyalist tattoos on his arm. And I, it was coming to the 12th of July and he said to me, where are you from? And I said, Galway. He goes, oh, I'm going over to Ireland in a couple of weeks' time. And I said, I know where you're going. And he goes, where? I said, you're going to the marches in Belfast. And he goes, how do you know? And I said, they're loyalist tattoos, tell me. And he goes, well, does that make a difference? I said, I don't really care who you wear or what you wear. I said, you're the one with the problem. You're the one that's going over to incite violence, throw stones. Yeah, I mean, I, I, people have described, you know, the July fortnight as the purge. Uh, you yeah. know, for, for, for two weeks, there's this kind of vandalism and bonfires <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's. It's not, I'm, I'm not going to put even the word childish on it. It's childish on behalf of the politicians, the way they act. But what happens on the ground is dangerous. And you have human beings in a line, police who have to go home in the evening to their kids, or may not go home to their wives, and may end up in hospital. And I know, look, at, I know police forces around the world are not liked because of one or two things that one or two individuals has done. But the vast majority are, decent are not people. all bad people. Yeah. Yeah, they're not all. And this is what's wrong. And remember... The people from whatever community, when they're putting hate on the other community, they're putting hate on the police as well. And that's from both sides. Remember, uh, I can't think of the name of the riots, the big ones from one church to another down the road. Say, where was that again? Sorry, Dad. Remember, remember they used to do this march from... 
Oh, one yeah. Church, you're, 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 and, okay. Another church and back. Okay, it's got out of my head too, but I know yeah. I know the one you're talking about, yes. You had you had people from banging the, the drums, yeah, banging the drums and everything else. They yeah. had the swords out and the police force were there for nearly 14 nights, I think it was, and they were just battered and beaten. And not one politician will come down and go, you know what, this is wrong. Because they're too busy sitting in their comfortable offices in flaming, I don't give a damn where they come from. Cop on, grow up, and let's stop this BS. All right, listen, thanks very much indeed. I have to go to break, Jerry. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, keep texting. People says, no, I do remember going up to uh, Belfast shopping uh, with my parents when I was a child. I remember that queue as you got to Newry and you were searched. Uh, my father used to always tell me to be quiet because they had said they had microphones uh, listening to what you're saying in the car. I, my, my dad used to tell me that too, though. They talked about these parabolic microphones and that they would be listening uh, to what you're saying in the car. But I don't know how true that was. I, I think that maybe parents said those things to us. And I, I don't actually know if that was true or not. I don't think they had the technology. Maybe I'm wrong to do that in those days. Yeah, sorry, Jerry. That uh, what you were thinking of that time. That standoff was in Drum Cree. I think that's what you were trying to think of there just before the break. Let me go to Pat. Pat, how are you doing? How are you doing, Niles? Uh, welcome to Ireland's Classic Hits. Pat, you've got some memories of, uh, I suppose, the troubles and the 40 years of conflict. Well, I, I, I do, um, Niall. I, I, like it was a kind of a case of, like, I, uh, I'm in my late 40s, and to be quite honest with you, I think I've been over the border probably once or twice in my whole lifetime. So, are you serious? I mean, am I, sorry? Are you serious? Only once or twice? Yeah, once or twice. And uh, I, I, and it's not. It wasn't. It's not a conscious decision. It's just I never had a reason to go up over the border or anything else like that. But my memories of back in the eighties, I always remember in school. Um, my older brother was his class. Like the school was involved in this. I think a lot of schools back then were involved in this cross border exchange program. Okay, student exchange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. where they, yeah. they used to bring down kids from from some of the some of the toughest places in Belfast and Derry and places like that. And, and uh, I think it was basically just to kind of show them what life was like down here. And then it was, it was done vice versa then. This yeah. And it was my older brother. And I always remember this kid coming to, to stay in our house. And um, I, the one thing I always, I noticed about him is that he just seemed a little bit more advanced for his years. And I mean, I don't think he was any more than, at that time, fourteen or fifteen. So he was know? a bit more streetwise. Yeah, a bit yeah. more kind of yeah, hardened kind of. But yeah. I remember my one my one memory of the chap was that I remember he was like we're talking to him with my brother and stuff like that, and he was disgusted that we weren't all down here flying the tricolor, uh, playing rebel music, and <laughs> hating the Brits as he called them. Right. And it was kind of, and I think it was kind of the same with him. He'd never been down over the border down here either. So, so this was kind of like, um, oh, magic fairyland to him. It was kind of myth and legend of kind of what he was fed on, um, you know, when he came down over the border. That's why he was, oh, he was because he down. because he was so used to hearing people hating the Brits and people, yeah. you know, flying. And by the way, there's parts of Belfast and parts of Northern Ireland. Uh, where you'll still drive into housing estates and there's flags hanging out of everybody's windows. Yeah, yeah. Be, be yeah. they, depending on the part you're in, British flags or, or Irish flags. Yeah. But uh, I think he kind of thought he was coming to the motherlands. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, where, okay. You know, we were all going to be down here, you know, he was going to be championed because he was yeah. up fighting the cause or something. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, and then I always remember my mother, you know, when my brother, when the, it was my brother's turn to go up over the border. Oh, I think it was nearly like he was being sent off to war in Iraq. Yeah. 
like she thought she'd never see him again or something, or do you know what I mean? Or they'd be kidnapped. No, there or was a huge, or, but there was a huge disconnect at the time because a lot of people would say the IRA were fighting for the Irish people, whereas the majority of people in the south of Ireland didn't support the IRA, or I don't believe supported the IRA. Uh, Republicans clearly did. But even if you went away on holidays somewhere and you said to somebody, you know, say to America, or whatever, and you said to somebody you're from Ireland, they go, "Oh yeah, there's a war on there." So they, they everybody kind of thought it was Northern Ireland and the south of Ireland. You know, there was a, some sort of big war going on between the yeah, two or well, and it certainly wasn't it was, the case I think it was more I, like I, I don't I, know, I don't I don't want to kind of generalise people's thoughts but my own I think it was kind of a case of nearly embarrassment about it yeah because uh, like I mean did you support I, I, the IRA Pat? would I support the yeah, IRA? did you support at the time I know, I know you don't support murder and killing but did you support the IRA and their cause? To be quite honest with you, I think it was a kind of... I, I, the way I personally felt about it, I thought it was an outdated kind of a thing. I think it was something that was... The cause of what was being fought for, I think, was completely different than what was fought back in 1916 mm. or during the Civil War. Down, down. I, I, you know, I think... And I think a lot of it today... You know, and it's only, I, like, I'm not politically minded or anything like that, like, but I just think today, I think it, it's, you know... They'll say it's about this, but it's it's not really. It's no, and, and by the way, your story, what well, your story does, you know, in relation to what's happening, and I know we've kind of digressed a little bit, but over the last five days, these have been children that have been rioting. And what your story does show very clearly is how easy it is to socially condition a child to think a certain way. Uh, stay there for a second, because I want to go to Sheila as well. Uh, uh, Sheila, hi, you're on Ireland's Classic Kids. Sheila, hi, your dad was from Belfast. Yeah, he was. Okay, and did you spend much time there? Well, we used to go up an awful lot because my grand and granddad lived up there. Um, okay. Originally on the Van Pottinger Road, which isn't far from the Harland Wolf, you know where the yes, yeah, yeah, W five is now. Um, and I remember I was quite young, probably eight or nine, watching the six o'clock news, and my dad jumping up and running to the phone in the hall and ringing, and we'd seen a car bomb go off, but it was their house. Oh God! That and it was just a little row of cottages, but. Um, you know, in those days, there were no easy mobile phones or anything, but everybody's been evacuated, and they took, like, some pictures and stuff out, and they were all safe, the house yeah. was gone. Um, so, like, I've lots of stories, because we used to go up a lot. Typically, we'd go up, but not stay, because it really wasn't safe, and particularly in a Southern Reg car. Yeah, that was the, that was the kind of thing. If you had a Southern registration car, yeah. you know, you had to be very conscious of where you drove. Yeah, but, but mind you, by the way, is still the case in in small pockets, in small you know smaller areas. There are areas of Belfast, uh, you know, and other parts of Northern Ireland that you you wouldn't you'd want to be cautious driving in a Southern registration car. But not the way it used. to Not be. the way it used to be. I no. mean, my goodness, it was it was pretty terrifying going up. And as you were saying before, with the checkpoints, and like there were times you'd you'd go up and everybody was out of the car. They pretty much took the seats out. They had the mirrors underneath. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I remember the, the mirror on the wheels. They'd roll it yeah. under your car to make sure there wasn't a car bomb attached to it, particularly if you went into a shopping centre. Exactly. And yeah. my mum was originally from the UK and we were going up at one point. My granddad was sick in hospital. And, of course, she stupidly opened her mouth at the checkpoint and they didn't believe that we were going to the hospital and an armoured van followed us all the way to the hospital to make sure we were going where we were going. Do you know, young, um, young people who maybe regularly visit Northern Ireland would think that you're talking about Baghdad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because they, yeah. they, 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 that's completely alien to them. 
But now when we see what's been happening over the last five nights yeah. and you see these riots in Northern Ireland, it brings back, back these memories. It brings you right back. And uh, like another memory, we were staying in a hotel. Now, we must have been up for a family funeral because we never stayed over. But we stayed in a hotel. We were all evacuated because there was a bomb in the hotel. Um, so the next funeral mum and dad went up to, they left us behind, myself and my sister. But their car was completely destroyed. Now, they didn't burn it out, but they mm-hmm. pulled all the electrics out. And and that was in Twinbrook and Dunmurray. Um so, you know, it's yeah. just yeah, lots so, of memories, lots of memories. And, and just, just finally, just because I've only got about 30 seconds, in relation yeah, to what's going on and you see young people, and it is primarily young people, you know, yeah. 13 and 14-year-olds in particular housing estates, in particular areas, who are fighting and rioting and, and others. You know, what is the answer to all that? I mean, how do you stop that hatred, uh, you know, the hatred of the British from the, the young Republican children or the hatred uh, of the Irish or the, the Catholics from the young Loyalist children? How do you stop all that? I, I honestly don't know. And I, I thought that at this point that we were asked that, that we were past all of this. And I think it's very sad now that we are seeing a start of what were the old troubles resurrecting themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't know what the answer. And it is. It is disgusting. I don't know if you've seen any of the videos this morning. Uh, and I, again, I say the most disgusting video I've seen was not the fact that they set the bus on fire and these are young people and they're running around yeah. with Molotov cocktails. It was the parents at the side of the road as they're running away. We're giving them a round of applause. Yeah, yeah. That's the saddest yeah. part. You know, yeah. because children are children, and they they're are. and they're led and said by their parents. They, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Listen. Thank you very much indeed, Sheila, and thanks to Pat as well for some memories there and for a lot of people, memories that we certainly don't want to see again or things that we don't want to see happening. And I myself had an incident. I was working at a nightclub in Warren Point, I remember, many, many years ago. And I was coming back from the nightclub in the middle of the night. It was three or four o'clock in the morning. And I was stopped by the RUC, the police force at the time, and uh, searched spread eagle across the bottom of the car. And I was called names. And they searched through all my record boxes and I never went to work there again because it terrified me. But in saying that, I understand now the reason why they did that, because on that particular day, there was three members of the RUC had been killed, I think, by the IRA. So they were out to get people. And, I, and I, that whole sense of violence was happening constantly all the time. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.